Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And we are super excited to have Zara Cruzan on. Zara, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've always loved chatting with Amy and her group and all of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So what we like to start with is uh, your street cred, uh, you know, kind of uh, up to this point, you know, uh, if you want to share where you're born, kind of where you raised school, uh, hard knocks, uh, kind of the journey up to today, you can go as deep or as uh, brief as you want. So you said I have an hour, right? So yeah, exactly. Right. You, you, can take, you, you can take 45 minutes to tell everybody about your, your life up to this point. And then the, we'll, we'll get in like five minutes. And everybody of just dropped off the call. Okay, I'll keep it short. I promise as short as I can. Um, yeah, so I grew up uh, born and raised in a small town called Brownsville, Texas. It's not quite as small these days, but it's at the very tip of Texas. And um, yeah, so my journey to uh, brand strategy was actually very different. Um, when I grew up, I wanted to work at NASA. I had no plans <laughs> to work in brand. Um, I was a big old science nerd. And I went, uh, I came up to San Antonio for college where I met my husband. So here I am still. Um, and I was a biology major and pre-med focus was on that path. Um, and uh I decided that that wasn't the path for me after my first uh, <laughs> my first year of rounds uh, <laughs> and uh, did, did not see that as my future. And I happened to be working uh, part-time at uh, an insurance agency uh, dealing with claims. And um, I decided to move over into the sales side and marketing side. And uh, I did that uh, marketing and sales for several years uh, with different companies, Fortune 500, small companies. And then my husband, who is a chef, uh, graduated culinary school. We moved to London for a little bit so he could do his externship. And when we came back, I was at a bit of a crossroads um, with what I wanted to do. And my husband said, hey, I'm a chef. You're a marketer. Let's open a restaurant, Um, which seemed like a fantastic idea at the time. And so we did. We opened a a restaurant. We had that for five years. And one of the things that uh, really stood out to me in that time, in that process, was how different marketing was from branding. And I didn't understand that until I was a business owner, because working in marketing for corporations, everything they give you already has that brand set up. That's integrated into the campaigns. It's integrated into, you know, the framework. And so I kind of took that for granted. I always make... um, I always make the reference that, you know, it kind of felt like all those years I was adding the sugar and cream to my coffee, you know, patting myself on the back for making a great cup of coffee, forgetting all about, you know, the, the bean growers and the roasters and, and all of that, you know, happening in the background that set the foundation for a great cup of coffee. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, so that really started my interest in branding. I started learning everything I could about it, started taking on clients, working just little jobs here and there freelancing because I just had a baby and was a stay-at-home mom and it just started to grow until my my little munchkin decided to go to school on me and um, we turned into an agency and, and here we are today. 
That is so awesome. You know, I met you because you were um, doing little presentations and stuff like that at um, some of our small business association local agencies in San Antonio. And you were very well known. And I met you at Launch San Antonio. And, um, you know, everything that you taught just made sense. It made you make branding make sense. So, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think that's that's what you you do for brands. And it's it's a it's it's really great. Um, you, you have that ability. I think so many people get confused about like, how how do I study my market? How do I connect with the customer? Right. So um, you kind of talked a little bit about how you started your agency and how you got into um, how you got into branding, but how would you define brand? Yeah, so brand is the world's perception of your organization. And I think that's what makes it so nebulous for people is we know all of these different things affect brand. And so um, really what people have this false idea of is that they can control the brand, right? So that I, I can tell you what to think about me. And, and really it's not so. Now the, the silver lining of that is we can influence the heck out of it. So, um, but I think that sometimes, especially for small business owners, that process becomes overwhelming because when you say something like it's every interaction, it's every experience, it's every touch point, suddenly our minds kind of go into like, oh my God, I don't have my intake forms. I don't have my customer service. I don't have my products. My labels aren't pretty enough. And so it just becomes this overwhelming, um, uh, daunting idea. Or the other thing that I see is people work on it in a silo. So I'm going to come over here and work on my logo and forget about everything else and how it integrates with the rest of my brand. And then I'm going to go and talk to a copywriter and have them write something for me that's on brand that doesn't really connect with my visuals or, or anything else. And so, um, so it almost feels like a game of whack-a-mole, right? As soon as you knock something down and you think you've got a handle on it, something else springs up. And so really um, what branding is, is that perception of who you are. And the best way to build a strong brand is to have a structured approach to it, is to create a system that you are, because branding is not a one-time thing, right? The act that, that it, This is a verb. It's something that you will always be doing as long as you are running an organization. And so it's creating a structure and a system so that you are creating these consistent touch points and you are, you are creating and establishing rules and structure and then going in and optimizing each of those as you move along. And that's how you create a strong brand without it becoming overwhelming, making sure that everybody on the bus gets it. They're all on the same page. You're, you know, the person who answers the phone's gonna understand and, and answer a question the same way you would. Um, and so that that is what, branding is and then also how you can be really intentional about creating that brand and just starting understanding that you will never have a perfect brand there's no such thing and so no just owning and accepting where you're at you are where you are it's only going to get better from here you know and and that's and that's it that's all I have to say about brand. <laughs> I know it's like a really it's a really broad question like define brand right yeah but, um, but I think some of the words that you said that um, resonated were consistency, right? Yeah. Making sure that you're consistent with your brain. Like you were saying, you know, um, you're, you're 
somebody writes copy for you and your Amazon listing says one thing and then they get the product and your packaging and your inserts is like a different voice. And it's just, you know, people get a perception, especially, you know, here we are on an e-commerce podcast. Most of us are, are selling primarily online. Um, and we get one, the customer gets one perception of us when they view our website or our, our landing page on Amazon, you know, whatever our storefront on Amazon, they get this perception of us. And then they get the product. And sometimes it's like uh, expectations versus reality, right? Like yeah. maybe it was written by a really good copywriter and then, you know, and everything is so cool. And then you get the product and you're like, what is this? <laughs> like, this is not what I expected. And that's where like, you know, the bad reviews come in or, you know, anytime it returns, anytime you have ex expectation versus reality, um, it can cause issues. So I know you've worked with a few brands in the e-commerce space. Yes. <laughs> um, you've, you've helped a lot of our entrepreneurs and amazing at home uh, with their with their branding and, and getting their, especially our unique products off to market. Um, yeah. But what would you say in, as far as for those brands, our listeners who sell on in e-commerce and are really looking to make that impression, what would you say is the most important factor in success when setting up your brand? Yeah, so I think, you know, just to touch back on your point of consistency is building out those consistent brand standards. And so the, the biggest challenge with branding, you know, is taking it from ideation, the super cool vision, mission, core values that are on the website, and then creating the tangible evidence that that is who you are and what you believe in the way that you do what you do. And that becomes even trickier when you're on an e-commerce platform because you don't get, they're not coming into your store. They're not walking into, you know, your space. And so um, for somebody who's in e-commerce or anybody in general, but specifically for e-commerce is having a brand guideline that is going to first create your brand standard. So no matter what, every time somebody gets this thing, they're getting a consistent, they can consistently expect to get these set of, of deliverables, right? And that is both a tangible thing. And then of course, in the way that you do it, right? And so um, anytime somebody contacts customer service, they're going to get a response within what time? Anytime. So once you have your core values built out, then the next iteration, the next, you know, least common denominator down, right? The reduction is the brand standards. So if, if generosity, so let's take a restaurant example, right? Just um, off the top of my head. So let's just say your core value is generosity. Well, if your core value is generosity, are you going to charge $2 for every two ounce ranch they want? Or are you going to, if they buy the salad, you're going to give them, a, you know, you're going to, you're going to charge maybe 50 cents more for the salad and then just give them free extra ranch on the side. What best personifies this idea of generosity. And that's just a silly example that we can all relate to because we've all been out to eat and get annoyed by like all the nickels and dimes. But this is what we talk about is everybody has these beautiful core values and these beautiful persona traits and, and mission statements and vision statements and, and value and manifestos. But like where tangibly does it exist in your business and then articulating it, documenting it down in your brand guideline so that your fulfillment company has a set of expectations, so that your 
um, when, when you're going out to negotiate, like, well, what comes in this and what do we want to make sure that, you know, is happening with packaging and supplemental material and customer service about returns and delays and how do we handle that? There is an already set expectation of what the response is going to be and how we're going to set it up to, to execute on that level so that you create that consistent, right? Because brand, the, the best way to affect your brand asset is to build that trust. They've got to trust. And the only way to build trust is through consistency. And you can't be consistent if you don't have those brand standards listed out right there. I think, you know, especially with private label brands and, you know, the consumer products industry, I think it's so important when you're building out your brand standards to know the customer that's buying this product. And that's where I see a lot of people go wrong is they'll just kind of, they'll put together a standard of, they'll make up an avatar or they'll put together a standard of, you know, okay, we care about the environment and then they'll use not, you know, different type of packaging or whatever, right? Um, So it's, it's like being consistent across, but also knowing your customer. And I know you gave an example uh, once before of a, I believe it's like a protein bar brand that you work with. Um, I think that's a really good example of how you change their brand from barely selling to a million dollar brand. And can you tell us a little bit about that story of how you worked with that brand? Yeah, so basically this was a a brand that um, was selling to mostly friends, like friends of family, you know, mom's friends, her rock climbing group. And so she was at farmer's markets just trying to get, you know, herself off the ground like most of us start. And, um, you know, we, we had our first conversation. We sat down and, and I said, well, who, tell me who your market is. And she said, well, everybody. Um, and I said, well, no, try again. <laughs> who, who, who are you selling to? She said, women. And I said, okay, what makes you think women are your market? And she says, well, because that's who I am selling to now. And so that is where there is, there's data and then there's our confirmation bias. Like, yes, she was selling to women, but because she was only offering it to women too, right? So then there's kind of the, the faulty data. And so I said, okay, well, let's, let's test this. You know, so we put a proper nutrition label on it um, and, you know, we, we, re- we resent it out to the market that she had and guess what? Half of her market dropped from her, like her, her mom's sales. And we said, okay, well, what is going on here that's creating this, this deficit? We went to the vision, we looked at it and I said, well, let's talk about your vision. Let's talk about your standards, your core values. Why do you do what you do? How did this come about? Well, it turns out as a rock climber, she saw a gap in the market. She needed a protein bar that didn't have whey protein that was gonna weigh her down. She did eight hour rock climbing. And so she needed something that wasn't gonna give her brain fog, that wasn't chock full of sugar and she was gonna be starving an hour later. And also she wanted something that didn't have a footprint because she loved the environment. And when you're hanging off a cliff, it's really hard to find a trash can. And so like she needed this, she wanted this brand to be, uh, you know, fuel for people who did 12, you know, half day cycling adventures and rock climbing and they were uh, documentary people who were in you know documentary field that are you know out on site busy you know kind of um, you know without these melty chocolate bars that were not doing much good for anybody and so that was a position so we said okay so we were able to find and reposition her just based on her vision just based on her need and discovering her brand and what she wanted to do with it and what her intentions were. And so we said, well, let's, let's put that to the test. Let's try that market. And so we did. 
And very quickly, um, she got interest from experts players, from REI, from um, amateur, international amateur rock climbing celeb that wanted to be the face of her company and put her in the store, in all their stores. Um, and it was just that simple repositioning of understanding um, where sometimes we get a small set of data and we think it means something, but we don't have a large enough sample. And connecting that. So then when we built the product, we said, okay, we didn't change her ingredients at all, not one. It was exactly the same product that she couldn't get into big box that nobody had interest in. Um, we, but what we did was we repositioned the product. We changed where we were selling it, where we were putting it. So, um, you know, we weren't trying to get it into HEB now. We we're trying to get it into REIs and places that made more sense for her market. And by doing that, we were able to find success. And so um, that, that is how we create these kind of logical pinpoints. If you've got a vision, you start with that vision, you create a framework around it, and then you create strategic goals in that pathway, you're able to create a really solid brand um, that's much more impactful. It's, it's not always. And it turns out like her, her story of why she created this product was more in line with a different audience than she was just going out on the street and kind of selling it to. And that's what we often do. We create this yep. like avatar in our mind and then, you know, we're, we're missing the mark. So I remember you changed her packaging to be more kind of masculine focused and, you know, and, and to really, so when you have the, that environment of that, that certain um, market that you want to attract, changing up your packaging and really looking at those competitors who are, who are also selling in that space and becoming that retail brand is really going to help you, um, you know, attract more customers. So yeah. what about the new people like her, right? Who, yeah. you know, she got started somewhere. But she probably, when she first got started, like a lot of our private label sellers, they don't have a lot of budget. They're just trying to try out this e-commerce thing, right? They're trying to start their own brand. They don't have a lot of budget to spend on a logo and packaging and branding and all those things. So what is your advice to new startups who are kind of on a budget? They just want to get started. Um, how can they do that well? Yeah, so I think um, we always say start with what you have right? Um, so wait until, wait to spend on your brand until you've got some proof of concept, you vetted your clientele, you know. So when you're, unless you're, unless you're venture backed, unless you've got funding, you've got a really solid, you know, you, you spent the money on the research, you know where your client's going to go and you, and you've got that budget. If you're bootstrapping, chances are you haven't had professional research done. It's kind of been your internet Google dive. And so, you know, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just got to be tested before we spend money and like bet that that's exactly, that's the market we need. That's minimum the, the, viable product. Get the yes. product on the market, <laughs> see who that yeah. audience is, see what they call the product, then yeah. build out your brand structure, right? And so that, and so that's, that's a lot of what we do is most of the businesses that we work with are two years or older, 18 months or older, because at that point we've got some data to work with. So when we do research for brand, we look at competitive analysis, we do market research and we do historical data, and then we do our brand um, discovery, right? And so you're not gonna have all that starting out. So my advice is always start simple. You don't need the graphic logo, just do a font, just do a logo. You don't need the graphic, you don't need the sub marks, you don't need a crazy color palette, keep it clean and keep it simple. 
um, because it's easier to build off a neutral than to rebrand something that you did like super crazy hot pink and then later you want it, you know, um, something different. And so um, let, let the market tell you, let the market respond to you. If you keep it clean, looking professional, you know, um, it's better to go higher quality than louder, right? So like white can look really nice if it's a thicker, you know, um, quality paper for packaging or, you know, maybe doing a, a nice little spot gloss on it just to freshen it up or something, you know, like there's different things you can do, um, but keep it simple, work with what you have um, and let the data come in. And when it does, and you're ready to make that, that investment, then do it. Just because you don't have, you know, the fifteen twenty thousand dollars to put, you know, to your branding today, doesn't mean that you don't brand at all. It just means that you do it for what you can. So if just to give you like a really basic example, if I'm drawing a picture, it's going to be a stick figure. Like you will not see me, you know, trying to go and draw, you know, something crazy with oil paints and colors because that's just so far out of my realm that I probably make a much more clear picture with a stick drawing than I could with oil paints, right? And so just like, keep it simple. Canva's your friend, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Get that, get that data out there. Like you said, unless you already, you've been in the market for a while, you already know what your customer wants. You have that backing. So what and about everything? Sorry, I was going to track just, one other thing about is track everything. If, if you're going to put, um, you know, your ounceage on the front, on the big box, instead of on the product label, like however it is that you decide to do it, track that because the more data you come with to your brand agency, the faster they're going to be able to get to the, get to the answer, right? Cause we've already got some, some data coming in on what you're currently doing. Sorry, got that it. was it. I just, no, no, that's good. It's good to have data. I completely agree. That's something that all of us struggle with is what are those key performance indicators that we need to be tracking. And um, I think just knowing who your customer is and Amazon lately has the, um, they've got some really great brand dashboards for people to check like the ages of their customers, the locations, everything like that. So everyone can get that data. Um, and also your PPC conversions, your keywords that you're ranking for, that's gonna tell you a lot about who your customer is in, in the primary market. Um, so, what is the single most important thing a brand can do to add perceived value? Yeah, um, well, um, I'm gonna give you a super general answer and then I'll give you like a different answer. Um, generally speaking, the best thing you can do for your brand is set an intention, set some goals some you know, your brand standards and then work your butt off to consistently deliver on those because that consistency is going to do more good than any fancy logo. Like you're not going to buy something because the pedals on that logo were just like bomb, right? It's, it's going to be, that, it's not that the logos aren't important, that they're not a piece of it. But if you've got money to spend on your brand, you spend it on building consistency, you spend it on measuring those metrics and, and finding out what your brand standards are. Because at the end of the day, you know, when you when we look at brand, no matter which of the five marketing levels of sophistication you are, how saturated um, your market is, right? Whether you're an inventor, which we worked with, who is creating something brand new, 
or people who are like in the fitness industry or, you know, like the, the beauty industry where it's like, oh my goodness, you couldn't be more saturated. Um, at the end of the day, commodity for commodity, feature for feature in this global market, you're going to find whatever you want fully customized at your doorstep. What makes a decision in people's minds is do they trust you? I'll pay a little more on Amazon for a company that I have heard of, that I bought from before, and my stuff didn't come to me melted or jacked or like, you know, in pieces or, you know, in like three sizes too small or big or something, you know? And so investing in that consistency, investing in that brand reputation and getting known for those particular things, that's going to be the very best thing you can do for your brand. It's, it, it's great to have five-star reviews. It's even better to have five-star reviews that are consistently using the same adjectives for your business. That's what, so when we look at neuroeconomics and the, and the study of, of um, buying behavior, that's what people respond to. So now, you know, we've become so disillusioned. Oh, people sell Amazon reviews and these are all fake people and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But when we consistently hear somebody, think about, just think about it in your everyday life. If you've never met someone, or even if you like somebody, if you hear enough negative things about them or enough positive things about them, it's going to influence your perception of them on some level. You just can't help it. Even if you're really trying hard to give somebody like the benefit of the doubt, I want to meet them for myself. It, it does factor in, it does play in a little bit. And so when you're looking at those reviews, getting those consistent adjectives for whatever it is that your brand standards are, reliability, trustworthiness, quality, you know, whatever you've determined are going to be your selling points, your unique positioning um, points, that's going to just serve you so well. And that's the, and the investment that will last your brand just a lifetime. Yeah, I think a good analogy to that that a lot of people will resonate with is restaurants, right? Like we recently moved from California to Idaho and with a fairly large group of people, but now, you know, it's like, you know, you can use Yelp and Google Maps and things like that, but, and you, you'll find some decent restaurants there, but there's going to be no better restaurants than being like, you know, pulling five of your friends and being like, Hey, what's the best Mexican restaurant in town? What's the best sushi place? You know, and, and generally we come to a consensus, you know, it's like people have tried different things and it's like, Oh, well, we, all three of us has tried this one and we all love this one. So, um, you know, I think that's a, a good analogy that a lot of people can, can resonate with. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundTable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.